Well, good morning, North Star. Man, we're so glad you're here. And happy Valentine's Day from the bottom of my heart. I love each and every one of you. And we hope you have a great day. So whether you're in the room or whether you're watching at home, comfy in your PJs, we're so glad to be with you. Um, I'm Daniel, and this is Bonnie. And uh, it's a pleasure for us to be able to, to chat with you guys today. But before we get into it, we want to tell you a little bit about our family. So we've been married almost 25 years. June will be, June 29th will be. Um, two o'clock in the afternoon. On yep, will be 25 years. And we have two kids. We've got Josie, who's 11, and Colby, who's nine. And our family just really loves adventure. We like to camp and kayak and hike and do a lot of fun stuff together. And over the Christmas holidays, we just decided, let's just get in our motorhome and drive to the Grand Canyon. So we did. We took two weeks. We we drove four days out to the Grand Canyon and spent a little bit of time there, then drove down to Sedona. I don't know if you know where that is. It's beautiful in Sedona. And then we spent a little bit of time there and drove back. It was a great adventure. So it was a lot of fun. Yeah. If you've ever been like on a road trip like that, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to spend like the next two hours just showing you all our pictures, right? That's what we're going to do. No, no it, probably our favorite part. I mean, I love the four-day road trip out. That was so much fun with the kids. But probably our favorite part was Sedona. So if you've, if you've never been to Sedona, it's this cool town and it's got all these amazing red rock formations around it. And there's all these hikes. We love to hike and all that kind of stuff. And so rather than tell you the whole, like, you know, two weeks, I'm going to tell you one little part. Our favorite part was this one rock formation called Bell Rock. And it's called Bell Rock because it's shaped like a bell. Look, there it is. And uh, it's about 4,500 feet in elevation, 4,500 feet tall. And so we were all excited about hiking up Bell Rock, like almost to the top. There comes a point where you have to have ropes that you can't hike beyond, but we hiked all that. And so we got out, we got on the trail. We were all looking forward to it. No, and wait, 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 wait. That's up. Daniel's side of the story. I had done my research. See, I was online. I figured out this is not a safe thing to take a nine and 11 year old all the way to the top of. So I had had a completely different idea. We were going to go hiking that day. We were going to hike around the bottom of it. From the bottom, we were going to have this nice view of this bell rock and then kind of, you know, just enjoy the day. But we failed to communicate. And I guess we, uh, so, so I misunderstood, apparently, because we got on the trail, we started going, and it kept going up and up and up. It was awesome. So we finally get off the trail, and we're going up the side of this mountain. And so Colby, my nine-year-old, who's an adventure junkie, he's like, he's not afraid of heights at all. This kid, he gets me on roller coasters. I'm like, why did I do this? We're so excited. And we're pumped. And, this, and we're going up the side, and you can see this is a little point of view picture that I took when we were probably about 4,000 feet in the air. We'll get up. There it is. And so you can kind of see the side. This part of the mountain is called the slides for good reason because you slide. And so we're on our hands and feet and our knees just grabbing rocks and, and getting. And clinging to the side of this rock. It was awesome. We all loved it. And then we got to this one point and I looked over at Colby. I'm so excited. I looked out. And then I looked over at Colby. And I saw something on his face like I had never seen before. It was weird. I didn't know if it was breakfast or lunch or whatever. It was fear. And I'm like, what's going on, man? Why? Yeah, that. that. Now, that was kind of a cutesy staged picture. But like two minutes before that, that look was real. Yeah. And I looked over at, at Bonnie. And I'm like, what? 
And she had that, and then I look at Josie. Now this picture was not staged. That's poor Josie. Tears <laughs> about to stream down her face as she realizes, how are we getting down? Because we were stuck mm -hmm. and we could not go anywhere. And there was one way down and it was the same way we went up. I have people and couples come in and sit down with me every week. They come in my office. They feel that way. They're stuck. And whether the husband had one idea and the wife had another and they didn't communicate or they tried to and they just do, didn't do it well, they're at a place in their marriage, they're at a place in their relationship or the, that they don't feel like they can get out of. And they're stuck. And to get down is more treacherous than getting up. And a lot of times they feel like, well, we've just, we've just fallen out of love. We just don't love each other anymore. And I don't think that's it. No, I think when we get married, we have plenty of love. I mean, we stand in an altar and we, we love each other enough to get married. The hard part is loving an, us each other enough to stay married. I mean, for the long haul, if you wanna stay married, it's gonna take a lot more than love. It's gonna take a, a lot more than that to see you through. So this morning, um, while you're grabbing your pens and your app and your Bible, we're gonna get to talk about something that we feel like, whether it's in relationships, we wanna talk about marriage in the context of marriage because we just have a heart for investing in the, in the marriage relationship, but it can translate into parent-child, into work relationships or friendships, any relationship that you kind of feel like you're stuck in, but that you really need a breakthrough in. There are three things that we're gonna talk about this morning that can lead to that relationship breakthrough that you might be looking for. Yeah, so while you grab your app, get that out, or your Bible, or your pen, or something, let's go back up to the top of Bell Rock where we were. I'd rather not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're there, and we're climbing up. Man, the higher we went, the more excited I got. Like, I wanted to, we, we didn't have climbing gear and ropes, so we really couldn't go any higher, but I wanted to go around it, find, find some stuff. And then I look at their faces, and I'm faced with one of two decisions, one decision is I could just keep going. And guys, look, I looked at their faces and I'm thinking, what have I done? Like, where did I lead my family that wasn't safe, that, that put them in this position? And so I could either keep going or I could do this next thing. And if you wanna, if you wanna begin to have a breakthrough in your relationships, this is the first thing you've gotta do. You've gotta show empathy. Write that down. You've got to show empathy. And it's very hard, very hard to do. What is empathy? Yeah, I've got a definition here. Empathy is this. It's the capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing from within their frame of reference. All right, let's look at that. The capacity to understand or feel what another person is experiencing from where? from what I think is right? No, from within their frame of reference. So basically it's this, empathy is me keeping my heart open to this person and getting outside of my selfishness, outside of my ideals, my small vantage point, my wants, my desires, enough that I can see that this person has a thought in the world concerning this situation that might be relevant. I don't have to like it, I don't even have to agree with it. But they, they might have an opinion that's right 
I might have an opinion that's right. There's a lot of times both vantage points are right. You just have to see them together. Empathy is that ability for me to say, you know what, I don't have to be right all the time. Maybe they have an original thought in their head and opening up to that person. Nobody gave us a greater example of being able to empathize than Jesus. Mm. We look through scripture and we see he is, I mean, he's God. He's in heaven. He's seated on the throne 24-7. He's got angels surrounding him. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He is everything. He, he needs nothing. Mm. But he understands that we can't get to him without his assistance. And so he didn't just say, okay, you've messed up. I'm gonna come and fix this. I'm gonna forgive you. Okay, I I know I'm right. You can never be right. He didn't do that. He stepped out of heaven to earth and he put skin on. I love this verse. It says, um, we've got this verse on the screen for us. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. So go back a little bit, sorry. Um, have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even on a cross. He took on our form so he could understand us. Not just so he could reach down and save us and bring us to his his position, no, it was so he could say, I'm going to see from your vantage point, I know life's hard and I'm gonna understand you. I'm gonna see it your way by becoming a man and being able to become human. Mm. So we're stuck at the side of this, this mountain and with every step, kind of felt like, man, we, this, this, we might just slip down. And as bad as I wanted to keep going, or enjoy what we're going through, I had to get outside of myself and put my thoughts and desires aside and be open and empathetic to where they were. But Bonnie was able to do something in that moment that is very difficult to do, but I think it results in the reason we were able to have the rest of the trip be good and not get stuck on the side of that mountain. And this is the second thing. If you're gonna have a breakthrough, you have to show empathy, but you have to forgive quickly. You have to forgive quickly. And in that moment, Bonnie could have just been hacked off at me and gone down the mountain. And and listen, you even allowed it. We went on more hikes. We even climbed. You did say, I'm not climbing up another mountain. But we went on more hikes. We saw great things because you were able to forgive and move past it. The problem is, is when we hold on to unforgiveness, we're not able to move any further in the relationship down the road. Whether it's a marriage, whether it's a friendship or a relationship with a, a, a sibling or spouse or anything, a parent. Is that that unforgiveness results in bitterness, and then it eventually results in in hatred. And what does bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness do? It, It builds a wall, it builds a dam, and it holds back every blessing God wants to give you concerning that relationship and rich and deep friendship. It builds a dam and it holds that stuff back. And all the blessings God wants to give you concerning that, you don't let in mm-hmm. because your hearts, become, your hearts become so hard and so bitter. And if you want to break through, you've got to forgive quickly, as quick as you can. I want you to read, read this verse with me. It's Colossians three thirteen. It says, and bearing with one another, 
And if one has a complaint with another, so bearing with one another, that's a tough thing, right? Just bear with each other. But if one has a complaint against another, forgiving, how? As the Lord has forgiven you. Mm. You, and this is a very important word, must forgive. Mm. If you're in Christ, he doesn't give you an option. There's not an option to not forgive. There's not a second door. You've got one door and you must forgive. Wow. I love that it says there. Well, I don't love that it says there. It says that you have to forgive how? As you have been forgiven. How has God forgiven us? He didn't just say, okay, you messed up. I'm gonna move on. He has wiped our slate completely clean. Fresh start. And, and, and it wasn't just that we did one or two things. We were living our entire lives. Our entire being was in opposition to who he, who he is. Romans 5 tells us that we were enemies. We were on the other side, completely opposing him. And it says that we were, that we were actually objects of wrath by nature. Our very nature were objects of wrath. And yet he chose to forgive that completely and he's Jesus, and that's one thing for him as God to be able to do that. But it's harder for us as, as people to do that. But why don't we do that? What stands in the way of us forgiving easily? I think the first thing is that we think, if I forgive, I won't keep the upper hand in the relationship. Mm. I know at our house, we don't have a basement, so we store all of our stuff up in our attic. We have the little pull-down ladder, we climb up, and that's where we put the stuff that we don't use often, our Christmas decorations and all the things that may be from high school yearbooks that we may never use again. But why do we hold on to some of that stuff, the old stuff, why do we keep it? Because we think in our mind, maybe one day I'll pull that out and I might look at it or I might use it. And I think that's the same way with unforgiveness. Up there, we, we hide all the you always, and you never, and the thing you did to me 15 years ago. And your mama. Yeah, you, yeah and the, yeah, all those <laughs> things. We hang on to them because it's ammunition. We're basically like relationship hoarders. Oh, yeah. We hoard that stuff. We ho- hoard all those things to use against our spouse when we need it. It's the trump card that we throw down on the table. We're in the middle of an argument, and then they can never win because I keep the upper hand because I'm holding on to all that other stuff as ammunition. I think another thing that gets in the way of us forgiving is that we want to make them pay. I mean, it's that if I forgive them, they're gonna get away with hurting me. Mm-hmm. Man, if, you, if I forgive you, then it just, it just, you don't have to pay for it. They'll get away with They'll get away us. with hurting yeah. us. And we all have that little bit. As Christians, we understand, like I said, our slate's been wiped clean. But if my slate's been wiped clean, so has his. And that means that he's not gonna be held accountable. Someone's gotta pay for this. Somebody's got to. And even from a young age, we get this. It's kind of our human nature. I mean, we've got two kids, you know, Josie and Colby are, are, they get along most of the time, I'll say that. They're pretty good with that. But, you know, brothers and sisters know the buttons to push. I mean, we do the same thing in marriage. We know the buttons to push and when to push them. We were in, we were in the car the other day and, and they were in the back seat and um, Josie was doing something to aggravate Colby and he's like, stop, stop, stop. And she's like, no, and she just kept on. I said, Josie, you need to stop. The other day, you remember the other day when you were doing something to annoy him and you wanted him to stop? If you'll show him a little bit of grace now, maybe next time he won't annoy you. She's like, nope, that's not gonna work. I said, why not? She said, I have to teach him a lesson. <laughs> and like, it totally oh. worked. Colby was like, wow, Josie, thank you so much for teaching me. Yeah. I learned so much. Right. And he never right. did it again. Mm-hmm. Right. But isn't that what we do? 
in the moment when we were on Bell Rock, I'm not gonna lie, I was pretty mad. I was like, okay, we're gonna die, we're gonna fall off this mountain, and I'm, I mean, were you that's, really? well, and uh, I, I didn't. One, or, sure. one I didn't. or more of us are not coming off this mountain, and it might be intentional at this point. I was mad, I was pretty mad. So, she almost threw me. No, yeah, right. So, but I, I, I knew I had to move through that or we were just gonna stay stuck. I had to pull it together for us and for the kids to get us to move beyond it. Now you're probably thinking, that's a dumb illustration. You know, it's just a, one little illustration of being stuck on the side of a mountain. But in a lot of the times, the things that we hold against our spouse, and the little things we keep going back to and we just can't let them go. And it's the lack of, you didn't meet my expectation or you annoyed me or you did this thing. Now there are big things that are really hard to move through and it takes time. But sometimes we just gotta let the little things go because those compound and compound and compound to the point we built this wall between us Mm -hmm. and we're stuck. We can't get over it. The Bible doesn't say just forgive the little things but not the big things. Right. It says both. Hmm. So how, how do we forgive? Because guys, I get it. Man, I sit out there and I hear someone read this verse. I've shared this verse. The pastor says this, forgive God has forgiven you. You must forgive. Yeah, that's great. I'm not God. I am not Jesus, right? So I think sometimes we just kind of discredit that verse because we ain't him. So how do we? How do we forgive? Well, these, these steps that we're giving, these three things, they're actually kind of sequential, So it's gonna be really impossible to forgive if you haven't done the first one yet, which was remember, show empathy. So as long as I hang on to what Bonnie was just saying, as long as I hang on to I wanna make you pay or I want justice to be served or I wanna be right, as as long as we do that, then guess what? Our heart is never open to be empathetic to the fact that they might have an opinion about this that matters or what, why they did what they did. Maybe it's not justified. Maybe I don't even agree with it, but guess what? This person is the most important person in the world to me and they're more important than what happened is as egregious as it is. And as long as I hang on to that, that I've gotta be right, you gotta change, I'm not changing, then guess what? Then forget forgiveness. It's not happening We're not gonna be able to forgive our spouse or whomever this is in your life if we can't first get outside of our own selfishness, die to that, and open up to them and to what they're thinking, what they're feeling, and what they're saying. We've gotta first do that if we're gonna forgive at all. And so I show empathy, and then I forgive quickly, and then here's the third thing that we have to do. We have to offer grace easily. Offer grace easily. So grace and forgiveness, you might be thinking, what is, what's the difference in grace and forgiveness? Aren't they kind of the same thing? They're very similar. As a matter of fact, they're kind of two sides of the same coin. I can forgive you, but not offer you grace, right? So if you're a friend or something, and it's just not a healthy friendship, boundaries or whatever, it's not something that I feel like I need to continue in, I can forgive you for what's happened or what you've done, and then not continue in that friendship with you and offer grace. See, uh, grace is moving down the road of that relationship, further down the road. So here's grace, and I love this definition of grace. Grace is unmerited favor. Okay, so let's take that. Unmerited means you didn't earn it. 
There's nothing you did to earn it, but I'm going to give it to you. It's giving someone something they don't deserve. Giving somebody something that they don't deserve. And it's saying, I, I not only forgive you for what's happened, but I want to walk down the road to a deeper, richer relationship with you. And I want to say this. This and forgiveness is going to be, if you haven't already experienced it, is going to be one of the toughest things you're going to do in your life. Because, and you've probably heard Mike say this before, couples don't come into our offices for counsel preemptively. Like they don't come in and say, hey, you know, we've never experienced this, but we want to come in and find out how we don't, right? How we can safeguard. No. Couples come in, people come in that's been in bitterness and resentment and anger and unforgiveness for a year, two years, five years, 10 years, sometimes 20 years or more. And, and it's built this wall. And the relationship is stuck and it cannot go any further because of a lack of forgiveness and grace. I wanna, I wanna read this, this passage, Ephesians 2, six through eight. This is how God shows grace to us. It says, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with the heavenly realm. So if you're in Christ, if you're a Christian, he raised you up, he adopted you into his family, brought you into his family with Christ Jesus. He put a new nature in us, put his spirit in us. Why? In order, he did that so that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. He did that so that he could lavish and pour his grace on you. And how does he express it? How does he do this? It's expressed in, look at this, his kindness in Christ Jesus. Is it expressed? Does he express his grace through justice? Nope. Does he express his grace in you were wrong, I'm right, and I'm gonna prove it, and I'm gonna wait until you change? Nope. The Bible tells us that it's your kindness that leads me to repentance. How do you, you ever use kindness to solve a dispute with your spouse? Mm. He, he expresses it through his kindness. And let's keep reading. For it's by grace that you have been saved through faith. And it's not from yourselves, it's a gift of God. Not that by works, it's nothing we've done so that we can't boast about it. It's mm. all him. And his love. So not only did he die for us to forgive us, but he went a step further. I love in 1 John 3, 1, it says, see what great love the Father has lavished. Mm. Like greatly over and abundant he's given us. He's lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. That's amazing. It's, it's that picture of not just, I'm gonna forgive you, but I'm giving you eternity. I'm bringing you into my inheritance in, in heaven and you get a relationship with me here. That's more grace than any of us deserve. And it's kind of that picture of someone comes to break in my house and not only do I not bar the door, but I say, come on in, help yourself, take whatever, come sit at the kitchen table with us. In fact, I'm gonna give you keys to my house. Hmm. That's grace. It's over and above when we don't deserve it. I love this quote from Dr. Tim Kimmel. It says, the contradiction for the Christian is to be a willing recipient of the grace God offers us, but reluctant to extend the same gift to our spouse. 
How ironic that the missing ingredient in our marriage when we act that way is the primary ingredient in God's heart when he deals with us. It's easy as a believer to say, God, I've experienced your grace, more grace. Please give me more, more grace. And in our relationship, I want you to show me grace. But then we stand and we scream, give him justice. Justice, justice, give me grace, give me grace. It's a contradiction that we would be the willing recipient of God's grace for us and yet not extend it to someone else. And so many times in our relationship, we, we don't extend grace but then we forget that there's gonna be a point in my life, in our relationship, in the relationship with someone that's difficult that I need them to extend that same grace back to me. So I better be willing to show it now because at some point I'm really gonna need it. Yeah. How do we, how do, we do this and why do we do this? Because guys, this isn't fun. This is, this is tough. It's not natural. It's supernatural. What does this look like? So my parents, uh, tomorrow will be a month, celebrated their 60th wedding anniversary last month, January 15th. 60 years. Like that's a, that's a long time to be married to somebody and not kill them. Right? <laughs> like how do, you, how do you do that? Listen, for 47 years, I've had a front row seat to this marriage, to this relationship. And I can tell you something. It ain't perfect. It wasn't perfect. Man, they experienced tremendous lows. My mom had a brain aneurysm 20 years ago. It had brain surgery. They, they, they took care of parents with Alzheimer's and buried parents and friends. And goodness, they had to raise my three older brothers. That was tough on them, right? You were, you were a piece of cake. Yeah, yeah. So, but there was a lot of great times too. I mean, mountaintop joys. But I'm gonna tell you, you do not make it 60 years unless you're willing to get outside of yourself and realize they have, they had a vantage point that might be very different from you, but that a voice that matters. And then you offer forgiveness and, and, and then grace to say, I, I not only forgive you, but I want us to go deeper and farther together than we were before. When you stand before all of your friends and family at your wedding and you look at them and you say, I love you all, but I'm forsaking all of you. My mama, my daddy, my brothers, everybody that loves me my whole life, I'm forsaking all of you and I'm cleaving only to this person. You wanna make it 60 years, or if whatever relationship you're dealing with, you want it to survive, it's gotta start here. There's no other way. Will you close your eyes and bow your heads with me? We've, we've all been at that place, guys. We've all been on the side of that mountain, stuck in that relationship, in that little dance. Who's right, I'm right, and I'm not gonna give, and they've gotta change, and I'm not listening to, I don't agree, and I, it's not just, I mean, we've all been there. And you're probably sitting here today, and you're there. And I'm gonna tell you this, here's your first step. You wanna know your first step? Your first step 
is to confess to God your sin and your, the fact that we're selfish and that we need to open up our heart, show empathy, and that pray that he gives you the power to forgive and to show grace. And I think that's the first conversation you have is with the Lord. The second conversation is with that person. But maybe you're here and it's very difficult for you to understand that kind of grace because you've never accepted that kind of grace from the Lord because he's offering it to you every day. You know, the Bible says, it says, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He wishes to come into your heart. He wishes to come into your life and be your Lord and Savior. He wants to extend forgiveness to you and grace to you. And it's very difficult to extend that to others if we've never received it. So today, if you would like to invite him to come into your heart, and be your Lord and be your Savior and start anew. I want to say a prayer and I don't want to invite you to say it with me. Now there's no magic in the prayer. There's no magic in the words. The magic is what happens in your heart and what Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago. Just say this. But dear Lord Jesus, I've messed up and I'm a sinner. And the best way I know how, I want you to come into my heart, be my Lord and be my Savior. I accept your forgiveness and your grace. Today, if, if you prayed that prayer, you just said those words in your heart and you believe them, it's your deepest desire. Then I want you to do something. I want you to do it right now. I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait till after the service. It's valid. It's going to get crazy. It's going to be a busy day. I want you to take out your phone right now. Dig in your pocket. Dig in your purse. Take it out and open up your, your texting app. And I want you to text NSC follow to 555-888. It's on the screen. Just text it right now. Because we want to be able to pray with you. We want to be able to give you resources and help you along this journey as you grow in God. Father, God, thank you for your grace. Lord, I pray for these families. I pray for these marriages. I pray for these people who are in relationships that are stuck. God, that you can give us the ability to do these three things that will lead to a breakthrough. Father, we love you. In Christ's name.